another Ravens game and potential season from hell this week on Pod Like a Raven. Okay, here we go. Um, I am Antonio Barbera. I'm, I'm, I, two, my, two, my two friends, my two co-hosts are here, Tim Horsey, Jay Sevens. Um, and we have to talk about this. We have to because we do a show every week. We have to because we're very angry and upset and sad. But we have to talk about it. Uh, in a game where the Ravens hovered around... 80% win probability, according to ESPN Analytics. For three and a half quarters, they're once again undone by lack of execution, simple errors, critical mistakes at the perfect times, bad coaching, and mentally weak players. They have a double-digit lead early, dominating on the stat sheet, visibly the more talented team, but it doesn't matter when you play like they did on Sunday. Tim, talk to me here. I mean, what do we? Where do we go from here? What do we do? Help me because I'm I'm on the ledge with this team. And it happened two weeks ago, and then we talked ourselves out of it with the game last week against the Browns, and now it's just the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I'll put it simply here. Um, if I ever say that I have any faith in the Baltimore Ravens for the rest of the Lamar Jackson, John Har- Harbaugh era, I want you both to drive up to where I live. You both have the address and smack me. Just smack me as hard as you can across the head. I- I'd open hand, closed hand, however you want to do it, backhand, forehand, tennis, whatever. I just want you to smack me um, because I- I'm done believing in this team. Um, I- I'll put it simply here. To quote uh, Jeff Zarebeck, who we do often on this show, I was reading his recap piece because apparently I wanted to learn more about this game. Uh, Quote, They get a lead and then, thanks to mistakes and missed opportunities, let a struggling opponent hang around. The game gets tight and the Ravens don't make the plays they need to in order to pull it out. Frustration ensues. Wash, rinse, repeat. This Steelers game... The sixth loss out of the last seven games against the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way. Roquan Smith's still not a Raven um, because he hasn't beaten the Steelers, according to him. Is the just epitome of what this team is. Um, And I don't want to go too long because we obviously we want to dive into every little aspect of this um, painstakingly. But man, just just when I like just when I was out. They pulled me back in, as Al Pacino says, but then they kicked me in the teeth. And I'm just, I'm really down on the Ravens as a whole. And, um, you know, I'm not looking forward to talking about it, but we got to do it for the people. So let's do it. I, I think as Jeff so kind of eloquently put it, the, the, the frustrating thing is the, that wash, uh, rinse, repeat, keyword repeat aspect of this. This is not the first time we've talked about a loss this bad. And that's why I feel like I have, like, simultaneously everything to say about this game because this was maybe like the worst way of the Ravens have ever blown a game possibly their entire history if you go beat by beat and I think we will (laughs) for the most part uh it was just so improbable and yet as it was happening I was not surprised it was happening I kind of I think just have a resignation with this group that this is what it is we've watched it 
for basically three seasons now, more or less. And it's just so frustrating. I was so down on everything that had happened up to halftime with the way the game was going and the way they were poorly executing, the way they were giving, you know, letting the Steelers hang around. Um, I drove to my parents' house. I was planning to go there later in the day. I just straight up was like, I need to go for the second half because I cannot just sit here in silence and watch them blow this game. I might go crazy. I have to share share the pain with others, with loved ones. And so I drove to my parents' house because I just felt in my bones this collapse was happening. And it was stunning. Um, more nonsensical than really anything they've done lately. But at the end of the day, I wasn't actually surprised that they lost the game, basically, at halftime, the way things were going. And it was just, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my, my summation of it. I'm, I'm not surprised. There's a, a gross resignation that this is what it is. Uh, I mentioned my problems with John Harbaugh. I think they start with him. All the issues we'll dive into. But, man, it was ugly. It was real bad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we always proclaim a new worst loss of the Lamar era every few weeks <laughs> on the show. But this one, uh, this might take the cake. This might be this might be the top dog just for, for, for all the reasons you guys have kind of already <laughs> touched on. And we'll, unfortunately, dive into much deeper here. <laughs> We've had... Jace is right. We've had this for about three years now, and for a long time, uh, maybe the more optimistic fan uh, or reporter, national media, local media, whatever, would be able to find an excuse, some sort of large excuse that helped you move on to the next week, help you move on to next season, whatever. The coordinators are bad, offensive, defensive. The team is really hurt. Uh, the weather, it, it, it's a monsoon, and it only seems to be raining when the Ravens have the ball, because that happened in a game in New England. That was a real thing that happened once. We get to this game, even... <laughs> oh, gosh. We get to this game, and we have players healthy. We get a lot of starters back for this game, which was one of my little little bursts of optimism from last week that that would be the one of the tidal waves to help this team is that we'd get some of these starters back. They get several of them, most of them. The coordinators are good. You, you like what you see offensively, defensively. You have the quarterbacks healthy. You know, you don't have a backup quarterback in this game. There's no excuses left, really. You're not even playing a good team. You're not even playing a good quarterback. The other team didn't play well. It's not like it was a uh, well, you know, we got we got their best game, we got their biggest, their you know, the the hardest punch that they've laid on an opponent all season. It happened against the Ravens. What? A, no, not even that. <laughs> Nothing is left to defend this team from what they are, which is what essentially I read in that little intro. It starts from the top, goes down to the bottom, and Jace, you feel it early in these games. Because it it takes one play, really. One negative play, and you can sense it because the team doesn't recover from it. The drops are one thing that happened in their first couple of drives when they were still able to get points. It's the Justice Hill fumble. It's the same exact thing as the game against the Colts. Two scoring drives in a row, a third drive that looks promising, that ends on a beautiful big gain into a turnover. That the team just is shocked and rattled by, and everybody looks around, who's going to fix it, who's going to save it, 
and nobody really steps up, or at least not enough. It's it's I I can't even believe how much of a mirror image it is <laughs> of their other loss this season, but then all their other losses for the last couple of years. It's I hate I hate this team. There we go. I got it in eight minutes into the episode this week. It's been happening earlier and earlier. I hate this team, and I don't know what to do about it. It's mental weakness. It's it's a lack of any sort of cojones or stones or whatever you want to call them. Call them what they are. Balls. It's it's there's there's just none of that in this Ravens team. One thing happens and everything crumbles around it. Let's just read it out. Let's just do it, guys. Let's rip off the band-aid. And we're gonna break all of these down. Two fun. Hold on, hold on. Let me get let me get my cocktail, Tim. Okay. And then, yeah, and yeah. Then get in. Okay. All right. Take a large sip and then yeah, here we okay. go. Oh, that is, that is a, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Best thing about this episode is that is a nice looking cocktail Antonio's got here. Two fumbles. Two fumbles in crucial moments. At least seven drops. You could you could total it to nine. You could add in the Zay Flowers falling over thing, and, and people are like, oh, it was a bad pass from Lamar. Now, Zay just is falling over, which is about at least three of them. No, maybe four of them could have gone for scores. Bateman, Aguilar, that Zay Flowers play, uh, Mark Andrews in the back of the end zone. At least four. Four, count them, could go for touchdowns there. You have a blocked punt that leads to a safety. Special teams overall, which has been piss poor. What are you doing, John Harbaugh? You literally don't do anything else other than special teams. Um, And I'm trying to think. Oh, the snap. But at the end of the first half on Tyler Linderbaum, who snaps it thinking the team, the Steelers are offsides, which, by the way, it felt like they were offsides a couple times that game. It just never got called. Whatever. Linderbaum, terrible situational awareness, Lana, and tries to snap that, getting a penalty. Leads to no points at the end of the half. The, the call to a fade route to Odell Beckham Jr., which then leads to one of the worst throws in the history of Lamar Jackson's career. Maybe the history of anyone's career. Maybe the history of Zach Wilson's career. It just <laughs> a, a, it was, was it either supposed to be a back shoulder or was it supposed to be a fade route? It wasn't either of those. Joey Porter Jr. picks it off right at the end when a touchdown. When you get the ball, by the way, off a turnover at the five-yard line, and you can't punch it in, and then your third down call is that fade throwing an interception. It, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. I just wish they were bad. I just wish they were bad. Just don't don't have the talent and and the potential to show what they showed against other opponents this season, which they showed against Cleveland, albeit I know without Deshaun Watson, what have you. I would rather them just kind of be, ah, uh, the talent's not there, but they're really fighting hard. Remember the, t- remember the Ravens teams that might have not had all the talent but really fought hard? Really gave the Patriots a game every single time they played them. You know, even like the five and eleven Ravens team when Bart Scott threw the threw the penalty flag. Like that team was objectively bad. But you know what? They gave teams hell. They executed when they had to for sixty minutes. They played up to competition and not always down to competition, which is what this team does. And they didn't get hit by the adversity bug. If adversity came, it made them stronger. It's one of the things that we love about our blue-collar Ravens teams, our Joe Flacco teams, those teams that, yeah, weren't always the best, but, you know, they were going to get kicked in the teeth and they were going to get back up biting kneecaps, Dan Campbell. Like, this team doesn't have any of that. And then, I'll get into it later, then it just flows in with the excuses afterwards of like, oh, it's just a fall, you know, this will just make us stronger, yada, 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 from the top down, John Harbaugh. It's gotten stale. It's gotten completely stale. It, the messaging has gotten stale. And because of that, I think that leads to a crumbling mentality. That when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But when the going gets tough, the Ravens leave. 
They just leave. I don't know where they go, but they leave. It's not not my Baltimore Ravens. Not your dad's Baltimore Ravens. And it's it's infuriating. It's infuriating to watch a team melt like that in front of your eyes after one little mistake. Because guess what, by the way? The mistakes are going to come. Like, they, this team is just going to fumble the ball a bunch. It, it's just going to happen. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, we love him. You know, whatever. Great quarterback, fine, sure. He's going to make crippling interceptions and, and, and lose the ball to a blindside rusher at least once a game. It's going to happen. So you know what you need to do? Is have the mental fortitude to overcome those things. And this Ravens team just doesn't have it. They don't. And that's frustrating. uh, (laughs) For sure. And I I think, though, the the thing that ties into this, Tim, you mentioned it. Just the, the, the talk after the game. Like, I just, how many times... Just how many times do we have to hear the same thing? I feel like I, I'm, I, I feel like Will Ferrell in Zoolander. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I feel like I've read this exact same quotes all the time. Patrick Queen, it's the same old story every time. I'm pretty sick of it. Mark Andrews, it's almost like a sleeping giant. We need to wake up. Just do it. Just, just wake up. You don't have to lose the same way every time for three and a half years. But like, like you said, I guess like maybe they just don't have it. Like maybe there's something inherent with like. Lamar Jackson, when things get tight, he panics and it permeates the group. But that's what you pay John Harbaugh for. He's supposed to break through this whatever malaise is happening with this team. And, you know, Tim, we've touched on this. Just the message gets stale. And, like, I, it just it's clearly he's not connecting or communicating. That topic's come up a lot. We'll get more into that in a little bit. But it just, like... Or if he has, Jace, or if he has, it's not working. It's right. just not working. Yeah. Like, and, and I just, Straight I want to let, let you keep going because, you know, this is a what's bothering Jason Tim, and I'm sure Antonio as well. One of my I favorite, have one in the notes. Yeah, I have one there. I, yeah. I see that. One of my favorite players here. One of my favorite players here, Justin Matabike. God love him. Ended up following him on social media. Why you follow athletes on social media, I don't know. We should just not do it. It just doesn't make sense, especially the ones you want to root for, because then they lose a game and they post a quote like this, quote, no mountain was ever climbed without a few stumbles and falls. Hashtag stay stoic. You didn't fall off the mountain. You got kicked off the mountain, and you're at the bottom of Everest now, and you got to climb all the way back up. This is not one little hiccup. This is another boulder smashing you in the face, and you walk back up the same path. It's not like, oh, there's boulders coming down this side of the mountain. We should probably walk around the other side. Nope. It's just we're going to walk right up the same side again, and here comes a boulder, and it's going to flatten us again like, an, like a cartoon, like, like Bugs Bunny or something like that. And you know what? Let's try it again. Let's walk up the exact same path and not even look for what's coming. Up, oh, there's a boulder. It knocked us down again. And you know what? Maybe we should try the other. No, no, no. Let's go that same side again. Let's put our blinders on, walk straight <laughs> up in the same path, boulder again. It happens every single time, and you just you know how this Ravens team is going to melt. It, this is back in 2019. This is the 14-2 and two year, guys. They started off 2-2. Two and two, They rip off a bunch of wins, and everybody's like, oh, man, this team is dominating. No, they were good because they didn't face anything. They had a couple moments. They had, like, the moment in Seattle. God, remember that? You want to go for it? Hell yeah, I want to go for it, coach. And that kind of turned the tide of the season, right? Marcus Peters, his first game as a Raven, pick six to the house. Better days. They get into the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans, who are the epitome of annoying and just want to kick you in the teeth and just want to give you problems over and over again, even though they're not that talented. Sounds familiar, Harbaugh. And they crumble. And ever since that moment, it has been the same thing with this team. It's been the same thing. Anytime there is an issue, anytime there is some sort of 
self-imposed problem, a mistake, it, it hurts them so much that they can't overcome it. And then you get results like this where the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, we're not going to do a ton on them because obviously there's going to be a ton of ranting on the Ravens. Holy crap, that team is bad. Like, like, <laughs> like bad, bad. And now they're both sitting here at three and two and the Ravens have lost a, a complete control of the division, which by the way, they were never going to sweep all three AFC teams on the road. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. We should have just seen that in our brain of like, oh, yeah, they can't win this game because they're not going to do that because that would be the easy path, and the Ravens aren't going to do that. I'm just I'm just sick of it, man. And, like, especially coming who it came against. Now it's 6-7 of seven against the Steelers, and now Steelers fans get to celebrate a game that they, they had no right to to be even close to winning that game, even be competitive in that game. And the Ravens, yet again, at Heinz Field or Akersher, whatever the hell you call it now, kicked themselves all the way down the mountain. Well, Steelers fans were booing their own team, with, like within a quarter. Like, that's how much they're within fed up with this. Within a drive, Jace. <laughs> they were doing Fire Matt Canada like, like, ten, like five minutes it- into the first quarter. And Kenny Pickett's as bad, like, if we hadn't played Dorian Thompson-Robinson last week, Kenny Pickett would easily be the worst quarterback they've played all season. And yet they lost to him again, second time in as many years. Uh, And that's where it just comes back to coaching for me, where, like, ultimately, like, it it is partly on the players. Like, you mentioned, like, this problem we've had since 2019. Marlon Humphrey said it. He called them chokers. He said it aloud. And they've done nothing, really, to disprove that. They beat an okay Tennessee team in the playoffs, uh, and then got smoked in Buffalo. Great. <laughs> that's like their high water mark of this team's postseason life. Uh, but that's, again, that's why it comes down to coaching. And I think of this team, like, clearly we're the better team. Like, we just were. The Steelers are not a good team. And yet we have the same record because Mike Tomlin, he gets the most out of his players. And the Steelers seem to rise to the occasion in the big moments. TJ Watt takes over. Their big stars come to play. Our big stars shrink in the moment in the last several years under John Harbaugh. And I think, like, this game was just the perfect encapsulation of why this team is not winning the Super Bowl this year. Even with, I think, Super Bowl talent. I think this is one of the most talented teams in the league. I think it's certainly the most talented team in the AFC North. And we have the same record as the Steelers. We're half a game up on the Browns because they didn't play this week. And the Bengals just, you know, they just, Joe Burrow looks fine all of a sudden. And Jamar Chase just set a franchise record for yards. Like, what are, we should be 5-0. and And instead, we're going to be, like, hoping to get the three seed to just play one of these stupid teams again instead of have a bye week in January, which they could have if they just played to their potential. But they don't. And here we are. So that's, it all goes back to Harbaugh for me. But, you know, I think there's player problems, too. But you can't change again. We've mentioned you paid the quarterback, you paid Marlon Humphrey, you've paid Ronnie Stanley, you paid all these guys, Mark Andrews. At some point, it's got to be the coach. <laughs> if, if they're not the, if the players aren't coming up with solutions, you got to find a coach who finds solutions for them. And that just clearly hasn't been happening in these big moments the last several seasons. Steelers, technically in first place, three and two, <laughs> God. with a with a minus thirty one point differential. <laughs> Yeah, the Ravens in second place with a plus thirty four. Do, do point you want <laughs> one half second of positive spin on no. this game before we just dive into negative? No. Hear me out, Tim. They'll win too many games to draft a good quarterback because Kenny Pickett's awful. So stick with him as long as possible. That's the only good thing I have to say. The fact that the Ravens can't beat them is a total indictment of us because he's awful. He is awful. <laughs> the team is so bad, and yet 
And yet, now we can get back to the negatives, because they managed to lose. They're going to find out, like, Drake May's hands are smaller than Kenny Pickett's, <laughs> and he's going to, like, fall to 17, and the Steelers will trade up for him, and then he's just going to be Roethlisberger for, like, the next 20 years. It's going to happen. And, and guess what? The pa- We'll get to it, but the Patriots are just going to get Caleb Williams, because yeah. Bill Belichick's playing chess, and, like, we're all playing checkers. <laughs> and Everything sucks, guys. This sucks. This all sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. Uh, we keep... We- <laughs> We keep talking about, uh, you know, th- there's no player that seems to step up or the team is has chokers and self-described chokers, which is always great. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of the history of this franchise, and we kind of had the best of both worlds because we had one player in Ray Lewis who would not let, like, would drag you up from the abyss yep. with his, like, emotion, with his ability to motivate... And then with his playmaking ability, he would help everybody around him, he would communicate, he would jack everybody up, and then if they weren't excited, he would go make a game-changing play. And then we flip to the other side of that, with the Joe Flacco era, that obviously there's overlap as well, but the Joe Flacco version of it was, he could throw the worst pick six you have ever seen, and then he just wouldn't care, and would completely forget about it within 30 seconds. And so you got the same exact player in the next quarter. And that worked for him more times than it didn't. And we don't have either of those two guys, and the leaders that we do have... I, I mean, Roquan is trying, right? He's taking, trying to take more of a role being on this team for less than a year. But it's not coming from anywhere else. Uh, and it should come from the quarterback. I mean, enough, you know, whatever the coach. We've had that conversation 800 <laughs> times, but... Shouldn't it also kind of be coming from your quarterback, who is now a veteran in the NFL, has the biggest contract on your team, one of the biggest in the history of the NFL? I haven't seen it uh, a month into you know this era of he's absolutely the guy and we're paying him to be the guy. I haven't seen it. And he played it. Okay, here, here's a fun debate that we can have because there's been two, uh, two arguments to this game is Lamar Jackson's play in this game. Because football nerds say one of the greatest games a quarterback's ever played <laughs> in the history of the NFL. Uh, one of the highest ratings. He was impacted by drops and drops alone. I say in the second half, they struggled to get first downs, and he made one of the worst throws that he's ever made, as we talked about, in the situation of what it was. This is not the first quarter. This is a game that you can read has been a disaster and you have to try to make one play to save it, or at least not make yet another mistake to continue to push the boulder down the hill. And in that moment, he throws one of the one of the worst passes we've ever seen. Three is fine. Field goal's fine. In that situation, and he just... Man. I hate this team. Yeah, I mean... I hate this team. And I don't know where the leadership is coming from at this point in time. I think it's a really good point because it's, look, it was the debate we had with Joe Flacco for years, right? Like, Monday morning quarterback, armchair quarterback, sitting on his couch would be like, that guy doesn't show enough emotion, right? Like, it was the debate that everybody had for years with Flacco. And, you know, might have been true that he wasn't really the vocal leader that you needed. I think there is a, you know, obviously, you can, you can lead in different ways, right? It, but... I think first and foremost, you have to lead with your play on the field. And 
kind of stepping up in the biggest moments. I think that's the most important thing. Like, Roquan is the clear, undisputed leader of this football team, not only because of what he says and how he acts, but how he plays in the big moments. That guy, like, has stepped up every time he's been called upon. Now, the defense let up the big touchdown to Pickens. It wasn't his fault, but, you know, he would he would probably step out and say, that's partly on me and my and my squad. We can't let that happen. I don't know if we see that with Lamar. And I think... I worry, and I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen. I worry that we are getting to a point where Lamar was like an incredible quarterback to have on a rookie deal, but now you realize that you really can't like build around him like you can a Mahomes or, you know, a Burrow, I guess, or or somebody like that. Or, you know, not like I'm not trying to say Brady, but like a, a person like that who is kind of just that presence and you know not only one is the leader of the team, but you know is going to step up in the big moment. The leader can't throw the pick on the five-yard line on third down in that pressure situation. You have to have, as a veteran on this team, and the quote-unquote leader of the team, the highest-paid player, all this stuff, you have to have the presence of mind to look at that, see it, and just do something else. How many times has he taken a crucial sack in a big moment? How many times has he fumbled in a big moment? How many times has, uh, has he thrown that pick, the deflating, drive-killing, game-killing pick? It happens too often, and I can't speak to, you know, obviously the players love him based on everything that, that you hear coming out of the locker room. And sure, the ultimate Lamar homers, and there are many of them, can come out and say, look, he, he was plagued by drops, and look, I don't disagree. I just said there were 28 points at least left on the board that really would have killed this game if some guys would have made made some catches on some really good balls by, by Lamar Jackson, by the way. But I don't really care about the, game, the, the perfect precision in the first half when you absolutely melt in crunch time in the second half. Uh, just You look at rushing. The Ravens had over 100 yards rushing in the first half. Second half, they ran it eight times for 25 yards. And then the final nine drives. Lost fumble. Turnover on downs. Punt. Punt. Blocked punt for safety, punt, end zone interception, fumble, turnover on downs. The, the last two of three are completely on him, the pick and the fumble. But a lot of those other drives are on him as well and not being able to execute in the right moment. And I think that is the biggest thing from a leader that you need to see. And, you know, until, until proven otherwise, I'm not going to say that Lamar Jackson's that guy. He, he might just be in the second tier of quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, I think that's okay. You still should pay that guy. He should still, they should have re- gave him that contract because it's hard to even get a second tier quarterback. But he certainly hasn't, you know, in these pressure, pressure moments, I feel like especially risen to the occasion. And, and that's, it's weird with this game though, Tim, because I agree with like, he he didn't he didn't rise to the occasion. What and and like once the game was back in doubt, he was awful. And that's not what and you want to see. That's the problem for me right there. But yeah, but I will just defend him and say <laughs> the game should have never even been close. Sure. You know, we'll get into why it should have been minimum fourteen nothing at halftime, probably thirteen to three. You should have at least a ten point lead. And I mean the drops are just. In, insanity like you mentioned like even in the third quarter Nelson Aguilar catches that pass that deep ball after he just caught a deep ball like 
on basically the same play like five minutes before. If he just catches that, they just might score on that play. And they're up, what, back up like 14 in the third quarter. And it's fine. And we don't think anything about it. So I think it goes hand in hand. But even, and even on, I mean, that goal line, that throw was just so, so bad. That was, that was, that was awful. And um, I don't want to say it's the absolute worst throw of his career because I still remember him trying to throw crossbody to Patrick Ricard mm. uh, with a lead. But, um, uh, but this was bad. But even then, I feel like I blame coaching more than anything. Why are you not just running that ball three straight times? <laughs> At worst, you're kicking a field goal to make them have to get a touchdown. To win, uh, which of course they did, but um, you know, I, 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 just run, just run the ball three times. Didn't Gus gain like four yards on the first down, and then they try the Chiefs shuffle pass that no one but the Chiefs could run. I think they lost a yard on that. And it's then, like anybody but the Eagles try to do the tush push or the brotherly yeah. shove, as they're calling. It. Like just, <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah, uh, and, and then yeah, then you throw. Uh, well, I can't even say you really threw a fade because that's that's definitely not the ball he threw. Was not a fade. Uh, <laughs> if that was what they he were going, threw a ball for. to the Steelers. Yeah, he threw them <laughs> the ball. So that was that was awful. But even then, I I kind of blame coaching on that. I don't know if that's doing Lamar apologism or whatever, but uh, apolo- like tried to cover up for him. I, I didn't think he was good, but I also don't think he was the reason they lost the game because just like. My God, catch the ball, and we're not having any of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, no, no. And, and, and I agree with you. I, look, it, uh, we're not doing blame pie here because it's the entire team that, that screwed this up, all the, from the top down. But you got to be able to step up in moments when, when the going gets tough. You got to be the one that is the tough get going. Like you, as the quarterback of a team who, by the way, when you're the one making some of those mistakes, you're the one that needs to step up and, and, and be the the rallying cry be the one that everybody can kind of get back behind and say follow me boys i'm gonna do this you know thanos style fine i'll do it myself like you have to be that guy you just do if you're this type of you know paid on this scale as a quarterback now the pressure is on you to be that guy and he's just not and he's just not he's just not one quick thing because i know we got a ton of stuff to go fades are like (laughs) The one, the, it's just like an idea, a concept in the NFL, the goal line fade. And I, I really can't think of a good metaphor for it, but it's like doing something the same way for like 15 years. It would be like if we were still using carrier pigeon instead of email or text <laughs> message. Like it should have been gone a long time ago because we found more efficient ways to do the thing, score touchdowns. And yet, for some reason, people are still using carrier pigeons rather than text messages. Like, I don't know if you want to be, like, really off the grid or whatever, Todd Munkin, but the, the fade thing just has to go. Like, I, I, I was stu- – I, I haven't seen a fade in years. I was stunned that they ran that play on that third down because it just doesn't work. How many times do we try and run it with Joe Flacco? Never works. I, it feels like an idea that 10 years ago in 2013, the entire NFL was like – yeah, we're going to kind of cool it with the fades. Like, Eli and Plaxico had a really good thing going there with the Giants a couple times, especially in the Super Bowl. But I think it might be time. Like, the entire, like, you know, Illuminati of NFL coaches got together. And it's like, maybe we stop with the fades. And then Todd Munkin just pulls one out of his butt on Sunday. <laughs> and it's argue- – it, I mean, the play call's bad. The throw is worse. I just – get that play, immediately scrap it, and be done with that for the rest of the season. I cannot believe – 
they tried that on a crucial third down. I am not generally somebody who is able to call out. You know, I'm not Tony Romo, so I'm not generally able to just call out plays based on how teams line up. But for some reason, when they did Beckham by himself at the top of the formation, I truly said in the living room, don't throw a fade, don't throw a fade. Because I was concerned that it wasn't going to lead to a touchdown. (laughs) Todd Heap ain't walking through that door, okay? This is a 30-year-old-ish, 30-plus-year-old wide receiver coming off of multiple major injuries who is not the same athletic freak that he... Even why do it with him? He's not the same guy as a 24-year-old him who could bounce off the turf eight feet into the air and, like, moss people constantly. He has not done that in years. And specifically this year, has he was hurt for the last three weeks with a lower leg issue. He got hurt this game. <laughs> why Why would he be the player that you're now counting on to out-jump a defender? It is absurd on its face, even without the terrible execution of the throw not being high enough or to the right side. It, Antonio, you know it's why... It's so bad. You know why I think it happened? He was the only guy that didn't drop a ball in this game. Like, truly. Like, from the receiving core. Everyone else did. Aguilar, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman. <laughs> Everyone else had a drop at that moment. So that was why I think they tried to force him, and it went completely awry. It's not a good enough excuse. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, we've, we've, we've talked about it. I think we talked about it last week. If you haven't looked it up, look up the uh, Aguilar clip from the Philly fan saving kids. Uh, <laughs> just uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Have some fun. Um, and just that, that meme immediately came out. <laughs> Antonio, I'm going to cue you up here, even though you were the host of the program. <clears throat> I know there's a, an, another person uh, in this receiving core as we're kind of talking about it. We're circling around all the issues that, that plague this Ravens team. Um, you know, George Pickens would be cool, huh? Remember that guy got drafted in the second round? Damn, I mean. <laughs> nice job, Ravens. Um, why don't we talk about Rashad Bateman, Antonio? Because another man who with a crucial drop and um, – doesn't really always want to put the blame on himself, it seems like, which is, you know, quite a pain. Uh, it's what's bothering Jace, what's bothering Antonio edition. <laughs> uh, and it's Rashad Bateman, because we've talked about the official drops, and there were seven of them, did not include uh, his sideline deep ball. I don't know, because it didn't bounce off of both of his hands and his chest, but he very clearly misran the, like to the ball, misread the flight of the ball, mistimed reaching out for the ball, and then still kind of had it go through his hands. And I'm done with this guy, officially. Uh, maybe I was before, but I certainly am now. He crowed all off season about money, about usage, whatever, and then he's immediately hurt again, he wears, and this is, boy, it's so old man. It's so old man. <laughs> I love this take. I he wears it. these ridiculous outfits, which I don't care about in general, but he's wearing them to specifically get attention and specifically get media attention. Look at me is what he wants when he goes to the stadium in his, in his outfits. And he then follows that by dropping, you know, somewhat challenging passes like that deep ball. Cupcake throws that Lamar literally threw it to him 
like a soft toss because the previous throw, he threw it kind of hot to Andrews, which should have been caught. But even the announcers, they said, it was like, oh, he threw it. He kind of fired it a little too hot, a little too hard into Andrews. The next throw was the one to Bateman that was basically a lob. Uh, Drops that. He's not plugged into the game at all. If you watch him run routes where he knows he's not the primary guy, he's not hard out of the breaks. If it's running plays, he's not hard out of the breaks. Once the ball kind of goes somewhere else, he doesn't like sprint to try to help block. He doesn't try to stay in the play. He jogs. He jogs it off and isn't paying attention. On the hill fumble, the ball... I mean, it's not close enough for him to recover, but by the time it is recovered by three Steelers, it is right in front of him in open space. I dare you to go and look at the highlights if you want to do that to your eyes, and you will see this play. And he doesn't even remotely think about having to touch that Steeler on the ground so that he is actually down. So much so that he just, he steps over one of the Steelers in the pile to start walking toward the sideline while the play is still live and Kevin Zeitler has to run up and tackle that Steeler just before he's able to get up, which probably would have led to a touchdown if he's able to get up and start running. After all of this, Bateman's move is to delete his social media account and refuse to have media interviews post-game. That same media that he dies to have look at him, photograph him, cover him when he walks into the stadium. He then doesn't want to deal with, look at, think about, consider, or have accountability for after the mistakes and the lack of caring, basically. He is an immature child who will not get a contract after his rookie year ends, not just because of the injury issues, not just because he hasn't put up numbers, because he doesn't care and he's not focused and I'm done with this player and that's what's bothering Antonio. Can we I mean just performance art Antonio there from from you. I mean absolutely incredible stuff. Um thank you. I have one more thing. I forgot to mention. A footnote. Yes, please. He has more career drops than touch. He has more than <laughs> twice as many drops as he does have touchdown catches. Okay. Uh. So I want to <laughs> let me let me I'm going to do some on the fly producing here real quickly. Antonio, have you looked at uh his stat line cuz I know you have that. Do you know his seat career stats? Don't look it up if you have it. Don't look it up if you have it. I know the touchdown number okay. uh and I know the drop number. Okay. Fair <laughs> because enough. Cuz I did that. Then let's do 3 seasons of Rashad Bateman, right? He is in his 3rd season. Oh, this God. is our game. This is going to be our game today. This is the game we're going to play real quickly. I'm just going to see price is right who can get closer to the total. Games played. Oh, jeez. Whoever would like to go can go. 16? (laughs) I'm going to say, and it's more than that, but I don't know, 22. 22, exactly. Wow. Very good for you. All right, let's do, uh, you know touchdowns, so we'll just do really quickly here. Let's do receptions in... Two and so many games. Reception. Uh, I did look up the touchdown number, so I am curious about that after we're all done. But uh, 35? 35 catches? Is that too low? Too high? I have no idea. Gosh. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go lower with that. 
Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. 28. 28. <laughs> See, now I'm looking, making sure I'm on the right person. He has 69 catches. Nice. Oh, uh, he had, doesn't feel like it. He had 46 as a rookie. After that, he has had quick math, never do live math, 23 catches so far uh, after his 46 as a rookie. And in three seasons, or two in, two in some seasons, let's call it, uh, yards, gentlemen, yards. Jace, do you have a yards total? <laughs> uh, I'll say 550. Okay. That's probably too much. Yeah. No, it's got to be more than that. If he had all those catches as a rookie, it's got to, I don't know, uh, 1,100. 867. So, yeah, okay. not great. And, Jace, very quickly for you, before we belabor this point too much, because Antonio knows it, touchdowns for Rashad Bateman. I will just give you a hint. You've been going really, really low for everything. Continue that strategy here <laughs> if you're going to do that. I was uh, five. I was going to guess three. Three, Jace. Three. Oh, my God. It is three. <laughs> yes. One, two, three. Three Musketeers of touchdowns I was, there for his I was, was going to guess three, but I was like, no, that's too low. <laughs> uh, that sucks. I mean, I feel it stinks because he, he – for – for like three beautiful weeks to start the 2022 season, he actually seemed like the guy. And then it's just, it's gone. And I'm with you, Antonio. Uh, I, I, I'm i not going to be shocked if he's not like a member of the Carolina Panthers next year <laughs> or something at this point. So, yeah, it stinks. Um, he had another whiff by the Ravens in the wide receiver group, it seems like. Yeah, I mean... Look, Antonio said it all there. I, I think the hopes we had for Bateman being wide receiver one um, are gone, and it's done with. Can Zay be that guy? Maybe. How how many small guys are truly, legitimately wide receiver one? We'd have to see. Um, and yeah, Bateman will have a couple more years of being pissed at the media and calling out Eric DaCosta on X when he inevitably get, takes his social media back, because you know he's going to do that. Um <laughs> And then we, you know, after after year five or maybe even year four, it'll be. Thanks. Thanks so much. See you later. Yeah, I was trying to look up the I pulled up that draft class just because that's fun to do after the fact of which players are still available when we went Rashad Bateman, Odafe Owe with two first round picks oh at the God. end of that oh first oh round. Uh, I mean, it's not great, to be honest, but. Two picks, no, three picks after Rashad Bateman was Gregory Russo, mm. who has played pretty well for the Bills. Uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, I feel like he's played pretty well for the Bucks. Uh, Landon Dickerson was drafted by the Eagles in the second round as a center. We could have done that in the, you know, in, <laughs> you, in the second round. Hell, you could have gone all the way down to the fourth round and grabbed yourself Amon Ra St. Brown with the 112th overall <laughs> selection. Could have done that. Could have done that. And you did. He's good. He's a good player. Don't don't worry. Just uh, let me see. Doing quick math. About 19 picks later, the Ravens drafted Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. So you know that's that's great special teamer that guy. Anything else, guys, that you uh, want to go over uh, about this game? Let's see. We're at we're at 40 40 ish minutes yeah. on this game, but it's it's right and it's fair and it's sad. Just, but anything else before we turn to the NFL? Yeah, quickly because I just want to say eight picks before I'm on Ross St. Brown. Brandon Stevens was drafted. So. That's really cool. Um, now you're just making me go down to a pit of sadness. Um, a couple things. You know, we've, we've done a lot of this. We, I think we've kind of covered it in great detail. Um, I'm done with Justice Hill. Like, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> done with it. 
I know Todd Munkin wants a lighter back. Gus Edwards can do everything Justice Hill can do. I'm convinced. Like, he can do... Unless pass pro is a problem, which I will admit, I don't really notice too, too much unless it's really glaring. Fine, but little scat back who fumbles all the time, just give me Gus Edwards, and he can do the same thing out of shotgun and get the same amount of yardage. I mean, the, the, the totals here finished... Uh, Gus Edwards, 12 carries for 48. Justice Hill, 7 for 32. So a little bit of a better average for Justice Hill. But just give all 19 of those carries to Gus Edwards and just run him into the ground. Just at this point, I'm tired of it. Um, and I think, look, the only other thing I just want to mention again, because I know I know it's painful, but but we need to reiterate this. These are all the things that happened in this loss for the Ravens. Two fumbles. Seven drops, call it nine, including falling Thank down, you. Zay, Flowers, Zay Flowers falling down. A blocked punt with uh, safety. Getting a the unplanned snap at the end of the half with Tyler Linderbaum not executing correctly. Uh, and, and if you didn't know, we should emphasize Tyler Linderbaum is the one who took credit for that saying, or, you know, blame for that, I guess, saying it was my fault. The interception on a fade call that happens after you get a turnover that puts you on the effing five-yard line or close to it. Having over 100 rushing yards in the first half, second half you only run it eight times for 25 yards, and your final nine drives, which obviously some of these are the mistakes in here, a lost fumble, a turnover on downs, punt, punt, block punt for safety, punt, end zone interception, fumble, turnover on downs. If you trust the Ravens in any moment, in any game, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you because you're you're insane. Uh, can I just take this opportunity to shovel more, more dirt on John Harbaugh? Uh, because Go I'm, blaming it, him, I, I'm blaming him for the end of half thing. Like, just don't line up. Like, if your plan is to run the clock down and take a timeout and kick a field goal, which he claimed it was, just don't line up so you don't have a miscommunication. Because these miscommunications are happening way too much. Clearly you're not, something's not happening. Or if your guys are harried and confused, which appeared the Ravens were in that moment, take a timeout. You had it. You could have just taken the timeout. <laughs> just ran the field goal unit calmly out there. Nothing about anything they do is calm and well run anymore. And I, just the difference in that moment between 13-3 to and 13-7 to or uh, to ten to seven, rather, excuse me, was so huge. Um, like in that moment, because you're dominating the first half. Yards are two forty four to eighty eight at halftime, and you go in with a seven point lead because you just completely botched this uh, end of half thing. And yeah, could Litterball have been better? Great, but it's on the coach. Uh, it starts there. Don't you got to be more clear. You got to be preparing for these moments during the week. I don't know. Uh, as I said, that moment, the collapse kind of seemed inevitable. And uh, the only other thing for me, it's hilarious that Ravens didn't have a drop from a wide receiver uh, entering this week. Um, so, uh, yeah, just kind of also all went downhill after that hill fumbled. They never scored again, as you laid out, Tim. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of speaks to the overall mental weakness and unpreparedness and panic, the way this team panics when the going gets tough. Yeah, just quickly. Um you know, I think this has been true for a lot of Ravens fans for a while now, based on how this team, almost the ethos of this team, in a way. I just kind of, I don't really know the word for it, but um, just kind of tired of the the 
to talk after the game. I'm kind of tired, and I and I I will admit I don't really know what you say. You don't. Maybe you just you say what Marlon Humphrey said last year or two years ago, whatever it was, where he just says, "Yeah, we're chokers." Um, <laughs> but the the um, the talk has run out. You are not allowed to say what you're saying now after just repeated, repeated, repeated issues over and over and over again. It has to change or things have to change in the building. Like, serious, drastic things. Um, because you just can't have it anymore. You cannot have the mistakes, the lack of execution, the excuses afterwards, and the just fragility that this team has. Uh, and then keep coming out and say it has to get better, we got to improve, da, da, da. Now, we're tired of hearing it. It has to be seen, and it has to be seen on Sunday at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> Let's pivot now to the NFL, uh, where I'm actually going to use this first talking point as a little bit of a... Oh gosh. As a little bit of a, as a, of a counter from what we talked about with Lamar Jackson and the tears. Tim, I mean, fairly asked or compared him to Patrick Mahomes and that top tier and that Lamar may just not be that top tier... I don't. I think the tiers may just be Patrick Mahomes one, yeah. and then there's a nice group of about eight to ten quarterbacks in that second tier. And that if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you either pack up and go home, or try to build around a quarterback in that other group of ten players. Because everybody else or most other people would put Josh Allen at two, right after Mahomes. The Bills are a juggernaut, and they're also three and two after <laughs> another for them. Dumb loss to a not very good football team where the Bills looked... I mean, it's in London, so guess what? They looked asleep for the first three quarters of this football game, and that starts with the quarterback. And Josh Allen had an okay game, had a bad turnover, had the ridiculous game in week one. So really, is it are we just is it just Mahomes' league and we're all we're all just living in it? Because the Bills fall to 3-2 and two with a 25-20 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And everybody else kind of has these stinker games, too, all the time. Burrow obviously struggled. He probably was hurt in part, but they had their own struggles. Other teams have had their own struggles. And, it, I mean, in another sense, it makes it even more frustrating that the Ravens have dropped these stupid games because they could be in pole position for the, uh, the number one seed and be 5-0. and But it's everywhere in the league. It is pervasive, and it starts with the Bills, who we thought were one of the most trustworthy teams after their three straight crushing wins and now lose another game to the Jags and are now three and two and just kind of in the middle in that AFC <laughs> race. Yeah, uh, very weird. Just strange. You mentioned, Antonio, they apparently didn't show up to London until like Friday, which, I, you know, for perspective, the Ravens who are playing there, uh, they left today, as we record Monday. They flew. They were they calling flew to Josh Allen sleepyhead, like the players were. <laughs> yeah, Stefan Diggs, I think, right? Yeah. He was the one who said that. So <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on with that. They they uh, they lose key player, another key player. Matt Milano might be out for the year. It seems like um, for them, I believe, uh, which that's not good. So obviously, we've talked about the the Ravens' injury problems, but other teams are getting hit too. They lose Trey White last week. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it stinks. I think we're marching towards KC one seed yet again. <laughs> and They're not uh, even that good. No. <laughs> that, even, they just have Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, they barely win every game every week, and yet they're 4-1. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it is weird. I think you're, you're very right, Antonio. I did think Trevor Lawrence was great in this game from what I saw. And, like the, He just made like a number of just fantastic plays. So maybe the Jaguars are starting to find their footing a little bit after kind of an uneven start to the year. Um, they had been in London for two weeks, <laughs> unlike the uh, uh, the Bills, so maybe that played into it as well. But yeah, just a weird game all around. It, it, it's a week-to-week league, I guess, in many sense, and then that's where you say, and that's where I think if we just want to tie it to the Ravens a little bit, you say it is a week-to-week league, but these problems we've been seeing, you know, we've been talking about for like th- the better part of two and a half, three years now. So I think that's where the line gets drawn, you know, it's like, it's a week-to-week league, but if you do the same thing for three years in a row, maybe it's not so week-to-week anymore, <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, it's weird, it's a weird league, and, uh, um, I'm sure, I'm, we'll get to it, I think the Bills are gonna bounce back in a big way <laughs> this upcoming week, so, I don't think anything too, too concerning, as long as Allen's healthy. What other games did you guys watch or get your attention this week in the NFL? Uh, the San Francisco 49ers might go 20 and 0. Uh, <laughs> they just absolutely hammered the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football. This was, um, because like the rest of, uh, rest of uh, all of us, I was watching the O's, uh, lose as well after the Ravens lost. So I didn't watch a ton of other football live. I did watch all the other highlights, but this was the game I watched the most of, um, after that, and uh, yeah, it just one-sided. I mean, George Kittle gets three touchdowns after what having one catch last week. It's just a new guy every week. There's so uh, an embarrassment of riches, and Brock Purdy just it, is insanely efficient. I guess I don't. I still don't really get it. Uh, I, I watched a decent amount of Iowa State football, and he seemed to be the guy holding the offense back there at times. <laughs> so I don't. I don't really know. I guess that speaks to the power of coaching, but they're just. It's just crazy, the weapons they have, and the defense is nasty, and it's just, I know they'll lose, they're not going to actually go 20-0, and 0, but it, uh, I saw someone, it might have been Ben Solak, I don't, or Steven Ruiz, I don't totally remember, someone from the ringer, I think, just said, can we just sim to the Eagles 49ers NFC Championship game, and it kind of, it kind of seems like that's what we're heading to, because it, it's, I mean, the, you know, 49ers are what, one of, are they the only undefeated team left now? They're 5-0. and 0. Um, and it's just hard to see them losing too many games the rest of the way. Uh, they're just, unless they get real hit by the injury bug, they're just so, so, so good. I mean, 42 to 10. We were billing this as the game of the year, and it just turned into a laugher almost immediately. So, yeah, yeah. The 49ers are great. They're probably going to be in the Super Bowl, at the very least, the NFC title game. It's hard to not see them there, barring some catastrophe. And, uh, yeah, I think they're clearly the best team in the NFL after five weeks. Yeah, I think Brock Purdy, like, legit good. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Think, you know, it's not just system with him. You know, system helps. Don't get me wrong. Talent helps. All those things. I got a couple for you. Um, I'm going to start on Thursday, actually. Um, so you didn't know it was Bears Commanders and I needed a reason to watch. So I was downstairs. I walked upstairs and I, I looked at Carly and I was like, Carly, Commanders Bears, who you got? And she said Bears. So I went, OK, Bears money line and just threw m- money on Bears money line. And God bless the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, DJ Moore, shout out, he a turk. God bless Carly. God bless Carly as well, <laughs> coming through with the big pick, um, the Carly bet of the week. And, yeah, did, 
it was a fun watch. I'll put it that way. As somebody who all of a sudden just became a Chicago Bears fan. Um, hilarious for the Commanders, just being the Commanders, which I think is great. Uh, and then over to Sunday, two teams that really impressed, albeit against terrible opponents. Detroit Lions, man, like that 42-24 to win over the 0-5 Panthers, who might be really regretting giving up that next year's first-round pick for Bryce Young. Um, but, you know, the same old Lions joke, would have they would have made that game either competitive or lost it. You know, it would have been really bad, and they didn't do that. A 42-24 win, four touchdowns for Jared Goff. They didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown, Brown in this game either. Sam Laporta looks incredible, the rookie tight end out of Iowa. Um, shout out Jace and it's cool for the Lions like if you're not rooting for the Lions you're an NFC North fan I think everybody and that's kind of what they say about Cleveland all the time it's like well everybody's rooting for Cleveland I can tell you one city that certainly is not two three cities that certainly are not rooting for Cleveland um, because they hate them and I hope they're bad forever Um, but really good for the Lions I think that's very very cool Um, and hopefully they can keep it uh, keep it rolling a team that I really don't hope keeps it rolling because they're in the AFC is the Miami Dolphins. Holy hell. Talk about a scary team. Um, Tua Tungavailoa did not play very well in this game, just like his brother against Ohio State, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, and, you know, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and they still win 31-16 to against an albeit terrible Giants team. They now, I'm sure you've seen the stat now, um, if, if you were listening to this podcast and you love football as much as we do, they now have the seven fastest recorded times by ball carriers this season. And it's a combination <laughs> of Devon Achan, Tyreek Hill, and Raheem Mostert. The seven fastest times by a ball carrier this season are by the Dolphins. And as, and as somebody noted, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but as somebody noted, it's not just them being fast. It's the fastest player in the NFL being schemed to get to top speed. So it's Achan getting to top speed. It's Raheem Mostert getting to top speed. It's Tyreek Hill getting to top speed. The way they've schemed that team up and how Tua kind of just distributes the ball. I mean, again, look, if it almost looks like Eagles, Niners, uh, Dolphins, Chiefs are going to be your final four. And those would be two, as a neutral, two absolutely incredible games. Um, we got Eagles, Dolphins later in the season as well. I think believe later this in the month, which is going to be a must-watch game too. Um, a couple more here. Uh, I'm going to save the team I want to laugh at the most for last. So let's go over to the New York Jets. Uh, Sean Payton should write a book called How to Become an Ass in 10 Days. Um, <laughs> spent the entire offseason just saying, I'm the savior for this Denver Broncos team. I'm going to fix Russell Wilson. What they did, you know, that coach that was here, he was terrible. Uh, and Nathaniel Hackett, who obviously now is with the New York Jets. The New York Jets took that very personally and just opened up a can on, on the Denver Broncos. The Jets winning that game. Jets should have never been the underdogs in that game. Um, at, at plus two and a half, I believe it was. So good for Nate Hackett, good for the Jets, good for Zach Wilson, who kind of played relatively well. And now, my friends, is it time to laugh at the New England Patriots? 34 <laughs> to nothing, losing to the New Orleans Saints in Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. It's the worst home loss of Bill Belichick's career. There's legitimate, like, hot seat talk. With the greatest coach of all time, there's legacy ruiners. Is that was it all just Brady all along? <laughs> Mac Jones clearly isn't the guy. I said, and I'll throw it to you guys here because I've been talking a lot. I said on this podcast a number of times since Tom Brady has left New England, I don't want them to be bad. I just want them to be mediocre. I take it back. I just want them to be bad. <laughs> it's so funny that they are so bad. 
And it's not that they're just like bad and losing in fluky ways. They got no talent. The defense stinks because of a couple injuries now. The offense is horrendous. It wasn't just all Matt Patricia's fault. And the coaching's bad. The coaching's just straight up bad from Bill Belichick. Now look, this could all turn into them getting Caleb Williams and I'm going to cry into my cereal for the rest for the next 20 years, which fine, fine. But for now, let's just all laugh at the New England Patriots. One in four right now. I mean, that's my concern, Tim. They're like so bad. They're like real they, bad, yeah. They might be a bottom three team, the, the path they're on. Like their schedule, they still have to play like a ton of those AFC East teams. I think, haven't they only played, I think the Dolphins to this point? Or no, they beat the Jets because, <laughs> of course, they did. Uh, but they still have a ton of uh, a ton of teams. I mean, it's thirty-eight to three and thirty-four nothing back-to-back weeks. I mean, this is rock bottom. Like this is, it does not get like if this was any other coach other than Belichick and he was on like a, a hot seat. Like if, if it basically if somehow Bill Belichick, if you pretend he was hired in twenty twenty after. Uh, Tom Brady left, and he didn't have a legacy of six Super Bowls, right, and all those conference championships and all the winning and stuff. This would be like the week you would fire a coach that was in his third year at 26-30 and 30 since 2020, um, who just lost back-to-back games by scores of 38-3 to 3 and 34 to nothing. I mean, this is as this is bad as it gets, but yeah, my concern is just they're, they're so bad. That they're gonna be in contention for top three pick. We mentioned the Panthers are gonna probably, the Bears are gonna probably be picking twice in the top five. Uh, the Broncos are awful, and I believe they actually do have their pick this year, uh, so they're gonna be probably in the top five. But uh, the Pats are gonna be right there. I mean, yeah, they haven't won a game at home yet. <laughs> this is this is rock bottom. It doesn't get worse than this. Mac Jones is just awful. I don't know what's happened to him. I didn't think he was great, but. He's a much worse player than the one he was in his rookie year, which is very confusing and not a trajectory you see from guys a lot of times. Let me try to bring some positivity, uh, <laughs> as I normally do in larger stretches. But at Las Vegas Raiders, home to the Washington Commanders, home to the Indianapolis Colts, at the New York Giants, at the Pittsburgh Steelers, at the Denver Broncos, home to the New York Jets. Those are all games that remain on the Patriots' schedule. They will win several of those games. They're going to win five games. That's not enough for a top five pick, in my opinion. I think they end up with five wins, and they're at, like, eight, which just means they don't get one of the top three quarterbacks. And that's kind of where I'm at on their uh, on their docket. Belichick is not a tanker. He never has been. He would be convinced to, maybe by his GM, to do that, to get better talent, but... Uh, kind of him also. Yeah, that, so, I was say, he his, is that his, guy. His GM, Bill <laughs> Belichick. So that, that's been a difficult conversation to have in the past. <laughs> so he's going to continue to try to win football games, and he's going to win some of these games against these bad teams. Um, and, and, you know, lose his nose to spite his face. Uh, and that's kind of <laughs> what has been happening in New England over the last over the last few years. I don't think he is gone. I don't think he, you know... Uh, leaves of his own accord slash is fired it just would be legacy wise even out of new england i think from from craft and the past that would be insane to do that and i don't think he would want to leave because of how much influence he has in this particular situation um yeah it's it is fun to to watch (laughs) them lose football games over and over and over again uh the last team that i want to talk about unfortunately is the cincinnati Bengals, who 
played a, you know, in theory, a very bad Arizona Cardinals team, but a Cardinals team that has been in games all season. And the Bengals had their statement game. Uh, but, you know, it's great to hear how healthy Burrow looked in this game and how healthy he felt. I'm, you know, spoiler alert for when we get to the picks uh, later on in this episode, but the Bengals now two and three. Uh, I think with I think within weeks we're going to be saying, how did they trick us again into thinking that the slow start wasn't going to be remedied? Because I think their slow start is going to be remedied, and I kind of see them going on a little bit of a tear uh, over the next month or so, and challenging for the AFC North title, even though. They started the year one and three, zero oh and two, and then one and three. So that's fun to uh, not be five and zero oh with five very winnable games this season, and already just be putting the other teams in the dust. Yeah. Um, and anything else from the NFL, guys? Well, that's what the Bengals do too, Antonio. They were four and four last year and won the rest of their games, right? So that stinks. That's unfortunate, and I'm completely with you. They looked good. I mean, uh, Jamar Chase set a franchise record for receiving uh, receptions in that game, three touchdowns. He broke out of being quiet one week after he said he was always open. He was right, I guess, in this case. And uh, yeah, just watching all these other games kind of just made me all depressed again. I watched about half of them last night, half of them today. And uh, yeah, uh, just so many 100-yard receivers across the NFL. D-Hop had a monster game. You see Cooper Cup comes back and has a bunch of catches. A.J. Brown went off. Uh, and I want that. I want that. We can't get it. We won't have it, and we never will have it. Um, so that made me a little depressed <laughs> about the NFL as a whole, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, it, that, so that it, it was—it's fun to watch the highlights because you—you do see, you see what's possible. You see the things. You're like, oh, what? How fun is that? But one of these days, one of these, one of these years, we'll have that. All right. Oh my gosh. Let's turn back to the Ravens. They have another football game, and it was in theory a fun thing because it's Ravens, Titans in London, uh, and it just isn't fun anymore <laughs> to talk about. Now, <clears throat> I say all that, and they will win this game mm-hmm. because of how bad they were against Pittsburgh last week. Then they will lose to the Lions the following week, and then they will rebound and beat the Cardinals the week after that. We've got the evidence. Yep. It's three years plus, uh, and it's the first month of this year with whatever this collection of players is. Um, I have reached the point where they could play the greatest game ever played this week, and I would then have zero faith that they had turned the corner in any sort of way in their game against the Lions the week after that. But let's talk about this one first, guys. Um not doing the offensive, defensive, intangible strategy because it's irrelevant. It has become <laughs> irrelevant with this football team. They are better on both sides of the ball, talent-wise, and it doesn't matter. So here's what we're doing this week. Um, it's basically over-under. Uh, you know, you guys do with it what, what you want, but it's three queries, and it's in order for the Ravens to win, how many of the following can they survive so I'll, I'll run through all three, and then we'll go from the, from the from the top. But to win this game, how many fumbles can they have but still survive and win the game? How many coaching miscommunications can they have and still and still pull something out here? How many drops can their uh, receivers and, and tight ends and backs have and still win this football game? So obviously, uh, this is me being a, sar- a sarcastic ass 
because of how irritated I am with this team. But if you want to take this game seriously, by all means, jump in. So how many fumbles uh, will the Ravens have, or can they have, and, and, and still actually win, win this football game in London? Well, they, they will have one, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Titans pretty, you know, stoutish defensive front. Um, Jeffrey Simmons will chop Lamar's arm at some point in this game, and he will fumble the ball. That will happen. So I think if they keep it to one, they'll be okay. Um, uh, evidence has shown there's going to be some sort of coaching uh, miscommunication on special teams. Um, so I'll say we'll have one of those as well. And I'll say they can have upwards to three drops and still win this game, Antonio. Uh, you know, they don't all have to be drops in the worst uh, absolute must-have touchdowns on third down drops. Uh, third down drops in general that delay drives or would be touchdowns. You can just drop like a four yard gain on like first down and it's okay. Uh, the they, Ravens only seem to do it things in catastrophe. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, kind of just what we've all been talking about. The, the thing that scares me with this game is if it's close, we know Mike Rabel will get the most out of this team because the Titans are a bad football team that is two and three. <laughs> and the Ravens are a good football team that is three and two because we know Harbaugh will not get the best out of this team uh, if things get tight. So that scares me. Um, we've certainly not played a team more frequently, it feels like, than the Titans in recent years. Have not played them since A.J. Brown left, so that encourages me because they had no answers for him during his time uh, with the Titans. Um so I think they'll win. I'm with you basically just on the principle of they lost last week, so the Ravens will win this week. Um, I don't even know if we want to already get to picks, but I'm picking the Ravens minus four and a half. Uh, I just think they'll win. They're a better team. Somehow Tannehill is like the best, arguably the best quarterback they've faced so far this season, uh, depending on how you consider Burrow when he at the level of his health. Um, and Tannehill has two touchdowns and five picks. So, <laughs> they, you know, uh, he can hang in there and complete a pass, but I'm not especially scared by the Titans, but who knows? Well, Jace, I have great news for you. It's only three and a half, so you just got a free oh, point. I was going to say, I had to look uh, on the fan. Just, up here. Yeah. So now you're even more, you know, the mortgage is even getting more further uh, pushed right in, right into the, the gambling arena if it's minus three and a half. But, oh, that, that line has moved. <laughs> Sign me up. Even more Ravens. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. Um, I will just say, note what I said at the final part of the Ravens thing, where if you trust this team, you're insane. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, here's how this am, I, am I one in four in Ravens picks this year, Tim? Yes, I am. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, here's what's going to happen in this game, and I'll answer your questions here in just a second, Antonio. Um, for some reason, Tyler Ott, who is the long snapper for the Ravens, if you didn't know, is going to have three bad snaps, um, and Justin Tucker is going to miss three field goals because of that. And you know who's going to be perfect? Titans long snapper and former long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens, Morgan Cox. It's just going to be precise and have so much precision with his long snaps that everything is going to look great for the Titans. And, you know, they might win. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, to answer your questions, how many fumbles will the Ravens have and how many can they survive? They'll have two. They can probably survive one. But they'll, they'll probably have two. Uh, coaching miscommunications. Um, the one miscommunication I want is for these coaches to swap headsets and just put Mike Vrabel in purple and black right now. I would I would bite your arm off right now to just have that guy, who hasn't proven anything, by the way, as a coach. He's done some good things, but not great things. John Harbaugh's a Super Bowl winner. 
this could still just be reactionary in the moment, but I would swap them right now. Um, so miscommunications, I don't know, four, and they <laughs> might be able to survive four. Let's go with four. That sounds like a good number. Four. Over under three and a half. I'm slamming the over. How many drops? I'll say they only have two. I think it becomes a major point of emphasis this week. They only drop two passes, but then other things go wrong, like long <laughs> snapping. And, and that's the reason that this game is way closer than it is, because I'll just do my Ravens pick, and then obviously we'll get to everything else. I'm taking the Titans plus three and a half in London, because the Ravens might win this game, but if they do, it's going to be by three points, and I'll take the half point there with the Titans. I'm not trusting this team. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I, and I, I get you, I get your reasoning of like, oh, now they'll totally win because that's what this team does. I don't know that. I think they might just lose. They might just lose this <laughs> game and then lose to the Lions, and we're all in major panic mode now. So I'll, I'll do the classic Ravens thing, or the classic thing I do anyway, when it's three and a half or more with the Ravens. I pick the other team and say the Ravens might win. Titans three and a half. Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> I want to bring like analysis to this, I got and it's just it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, I was going to say that through five games, Ryan Tannehill has thrown two touchdowns and five interceptions. I was going to say that the Titans are maybe even more of a Jekyll and Hyde team than the Ravens, win- losing twenty-seven to three, winning twenty-seven to three, and then losing twenty-three to sixteen the week after that. <laughs> But none of it really matters. Um, I say they have one fumble, which is enough to survive. Boy, the communication. I, I'm just waiting for the. They're going to like show up to the stadium at the wrong time because there was a miscommunication <laughs> about what the time difference was. Well, they go the to Wembley, not US. Tottenham. Oh, we, thought, we thought it was six hours. It's only. It's five? Wait a minute. Are you sure it's only five hours? I thought it was six. Oh, God. So they'll do that wrong. Uh, they'll get some sort of like metric system thing wrong. They'll be like, "What do you mean? We don't do inches here. I don't know what a yard. I don't know what a yard is. What are you talking? About? Even though we use those every day uh, with with the NFL, the drops. Uh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say they're gonna have three slips in this game, not drops, because the grass is in Europe. Uh, and it's a soccer pitch instead of a football field. Uh, so they're just slipping all over the place, and then you go to the sideline reporter, and they're like, oh, my, wow. Coming out of the second half, they all changed their cleats from whatever spike type to whatever other spike type because they were shocked by the footing, and they were slipping all over the place even though they had warmed up for hours before the game started. So it's going to be that. And then guess what? With all this sarcasm and annoyance, I'm taking the Ravens, minus three and a half. Uh, Not because I can trust them, Tim, but because I trust their inconsistency. And they're a very good football team. And they played horribly this past week, so they will play better this week uh, and beat a bad football team in the Tennessee Titans. Uh, One thing the Ravens have done consistently this year is be strong against the run, and that's the X factor of this Titans offense. Can you stop Derrick Henry, force 35-year-old Ryan Tannehill to beat you? And I think they will be successful in that, and that's all I know that will happen <laughs> in this game. Um, and I'm, take, I'm taking the Ravens, minus 3.5. I was 1-2 and two last week. 
Uh, won the tease, which is fun. Lost the Ravens pick because of course, even though we've talked about it. Uh, and I also lost the Bills pick because they were in London, and and that's that, I guess. So seven and eight on the season. Um, I like this week. I like the picks this week. I thought I think all of us actually thought that the slate last week was pretty challenging. Um, I think it's a little bit more interesting this week. So outside of the Ravens pick, I am taking the Bengals minus two and a half at home against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not only taking this line, I am hammering this line because Seattle will have to travel from the West Coast to Cincinnati. The Bengals, I mean, I don't know, are back. You know, It's a jokey thing to say, but they're probably back. And you only it's less than a field goal at home. I think the Bengals win this by 14, uh, and I cannot believe that this line is less than a field goal. Give me Bengals minus 2.5. And, um, and then every media outlet in America will be saying, how did we get tricked into the Bengals' slow start again? Bengals, 3-3, three and three, and looking, looking dangerous in the AFC. And then my last pick is another tease. Successful last week. Let's keep it going. Three-team, six-point tease. The Dolphins. I'm moving them from minus 14 to minus 8 at home against the Panthers. I mean, it's what they've been doing every week outside of the Bills road game. I think they crushed this very bad winless Panthers team. And you move that down to minus 8. I'm taking the Eagles at even. I believe it's even. Actually, it's point. Five. I think it's point five. I have to check the lines to see if we're at six or six and a half. Currently at six and a half. Uh, at Currently at six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. So <laughs> the Eagles minus point five at the Jets. One of these teams uh, is a Super Bowl contender, and one of these teams isn't right now. I'll take the Eagles to win that game. And then this one's fun. Uh, this one's just enjoyable, and it's I guess the one I'm most scared of, but I don't understand. I'm taking the 49ers at plus one and a half at the Cleveland Browns. We technically don't know who the quarterback is yet for Cleveland. And even if it is Deshaun Watson, the 49ers are undefeated. They have passed every test this season. They have so much talent offensively, defensively. The line, I think at last, I'm going to confirm it to make sure these haven't moved since I looked at it last, but it was it's four and a half, right, for the... Brown. Minus yeah, it's, four it's and the forty niners minus four and a half is still so it is now plus one and a half in a tease. I said last week with the tease one that I won with the forty niners. How often do you get to have the forty niners as dogs in your bet? Run it back. Give me the forty niners as underdogs until they lose a football game. So I love this tease. Dolphins minus eight, Eagles minus point five, and forty niners plus one and a half. Uh to get back on track. Yeah. Uh, I'll go quickly here. I, By the way, uh, you convinced me so much with that Cincinnati minus two and a half. I, I took it in real life live as you were talking. Makes too much sense. Uh, I went 3-0 and last week. I'm now 9-3 and on the season. Uh, winning Bengals minus three away to Arizona uh, because that was a must win at that point. And I think they're going to keep winning. And then also won the, the tease here. We're, we're all hopping on the tease train here. I had a 7.4 team tease that hit. Thank you, Dolphins. Thank you, Niners. Thank you, Texans. And thank you, Jets. This week, uh, I already mentioned Titans plus 3.5 in London versus the Ravens. 
I'm going to take, and you should probably buy this up to three and a half. Uh, it's currently just sitting at two and a half, so I'm just going to take it for the show uh, at this. The Texans, plus two and a half at home to New Orleans. I might be too high on the Texans. I think that they're a competitive football team. It came down to the final moments with uh, Atlanta. Desmond Ritter had one good game in the NFL. Um, he also, you know, CJ Stroud had some real poise, led them down for what could have been a game-winning drive before Ritter uh, got the Falcons down in field goal range to kick the winner. Uh, still only lost by two there. I'm taking them plus two and a half at home to New Orleans again. Might like Houston too much, but I think New Orleans is getting a little overrated by beating up on the Patriots because of the name and not the team, who the Patriots are. The Patriots are bad, bad, and look like they kind of quit on that game early. So the Saints were kind of, you know, allowed to run it up. Give me, give me the Houston Texans as a home dog, plus two and a half there. And then no tease this week for me, uh, not yet, so not on the show anyway. But I'm going to take the Eagles. The Eagles should be more than a touchdown favorite away to the New York Jets. It's not going to be an away game. Philly fans will travel. The Eagles had a nice win over uh, L.A. and probably kind of want to keep showing that they're up there with the Niners and they're up there with the Dolphins and they're up there with these other teams that we keep talking about as some of the best in the league. The Eagles kind of get thrown in there, but it's like, yeah, but, you know, it, it was fine. It wasn't great convincing. The Jets had a great performance uh, in a kind of Super Bowlish game for them in the Nathaniel, the, the Nate Hackett Bowl, excuse me. Uh, easy for me to say. So I think this line is just is off. Uh, so give me Eagles minus six and a half, just a touchdown win uh, away to the New York Jets. I thought this was going to be uh, the official reveal of the first Jace Evans teaser, but I realize now I landed on the exact same teams as Antonio. <laughs> um, so there must be Let's something. Let's do it, Jace. There, there feels like there's something there, and I'll uh, be doing some investigating in real life on that. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, Dolph Dolphins minus eight. All these lines have moved wildly since I first looked at them. I considered the Bills. Uh, so yeah, Jace, let me stop you there. Let's adjust because I'm looking at the live lines. I put these in a few hours ago and they have changed. So let's get them right as they are, as live as we can get them for the listener. So uh, because that Dolphins line has moved to minus 13 and a half. And that's a nice tasty half point to get back. So in in a teaser, that's going to be minus 7.5, 7 and a half, uh, if you had them in the same tease. And then, yeah, so 49ers still plus one and a half. Uh, and then Eagles minus five, 0.5. That seems that seems like almost a no doubter, no brainer to me. Uh, the other one I was considering was Bills. At one point, it was would have been dropping it down. Would have been Bills minus six and a half against the Giants, but that line's gone up, so now you can only drop it down to minus eight. A little less exciting because you can see some weird stuff happening there. So, uh, but I like that tease Antonio had. And then uh, similar to Tim, I mean, just outright Eagles minus six and a half at Jets. I think the Eagles are really good. They're one of the still undefeated teams, and I think they're, they, they, they felt like they were kind of finding it in that Sunday game. A.J. Brown really went off. Uh, the brotherly shove is undefeatable for them, uh, and, and they, just, they just feel like they have so many solutions. And I do think a little, as you kind of mentioned, Tim, people are riding a little too high on two, two good Zach Wilson games in a row. This guy, did I, I'm not guessing, just became a great quarterback all of a sudden. I think I think he might have a crash to, uh, back down to earth in sort of a two or three pick game. So I like the Eagles outright. And then the one that caught my eye, and I'm a little nervous about it because it's like, are the Lions really going to be 5-1 and one coming to Baltimore? Uh, but Lions minus 3 at Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa did put it on the Saints when we last saw them in action, following up uh, just egg against the Eagles. So it's kind of a weird line. 
But we mentioned them in passing. I, I think the Lions are just really good. I think they're a really good team, and I think they they feel like the clear NFC North front runners. It's hard to imagine the Packers with their inconsistency catching up and the Bears. And I mean, the Vikings are what one and four now, <laughs> and feel like a team about to trade some guys. So, so I'll, I guess I'll call that a, a belief in the Lions, and I'll, I'll make the Lions my my third official pick. Uh, and so I'll go Ravens, Eagles, Lions, and I co-sign Antonio's tease because independently of each other, we basically arrived at the same tease. <laughs> so <laughs> those lines jumped out to both of us. Chase, not only will the Lions be five and one after this week, but they'll be six and one uh, after they take <laughs> uh, yes, care of yes, business yes. against it, a sloppy Baltimore team at M&T Bank in two weeks. And the reason we know they'll win two in that game, Antonio, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. But uh, it is uh, T Sizzle uh, Ring of Honor Day, so uh, they'll lay a fat egg against a historic NFL doormat who's on the come up. It's just it's all perfect. Uh, Isn't so, this yes. fun? Isn't it yeah. fun to be able to map out the entire season? <laughs> but they will win this week. <laughs> So oh we should gosh, enjoy this week. Underachieving football team. Yeah. Uh, anything else, guys, before I uh, close things out no, here? Any final things? It's been a tough it. episode, so any final things? Uh, just, it's going to, that 8 a.m. alarm is going to come early on Saturday. I can already, <laughs> I can already feel it. You mean Sunday, but yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, it's it's exciting in theory. Uh, a 9 a, 9.30 a.m., I believe, start. Uh, it's exciting for our UK Raven listeners, yes. uh, if you guys are, are still out there. This is very fun. Um, behind the curtain here, I, I tried to work a couple of different ways to uh, make the trip for this game, but I don't I don't think it's happening, uh, unfortunately. But this is a rare opportunity, obviously, for, for the Raven fans um, in Great Britain, in Europe. Uh, they don't like going there. Because Harbaugh doesn't know how to do it, so it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, um, I, I, but I we hope we... for your sake that it's a better performance 100%. than the last time the Ravens were there. Um, I, I was just about to mention that. I don't think we said how poorly it went the last time. Forty-four to seventeen, right? Or was it forty-four to seven? Even it was uh, seventeen. The... Feels like way too many points. Yeah, it was truly one of the worst sport. losses in franchise history. So it can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah, famous. Yeah, last fa- words. famous last words from from Jay Sevens there. Um, <laughs> But uh, for those UK Ravens going to the game, Lamar Jackson, we've we've harassed him uh, for most of this episode, but very fun to watch uh, on television, even more exciting to watch him in person. So we hope you guys have, uh, we hope you and all of us have a great weekend and a great day uh, on Sunday morning for us, afternoon for you guys out there. Uh, and that's going to do it for us here, for Tim Horsey. And Jace Evans. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for uh, sticking with us as we got through this episode on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.